four values of the church, the Bible-based values that we hold to that help us and guide us as we're building what we're building in this place, that help us to test what we're building, to see if it's true to what we want to do, a bit like a plumb line. And uh, today we're going to be continuing the theme that Steve started just before Easter on building community. And uh, the week before Easter, Steve showed us, I think, really clearly how through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God did what he promised he would do all the way through the Old Testament. And on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out and God created a new community, the church. A community was born that was distinctive. There's distinctive marks Steve talked about. And yet it's a community that is so diverse quite unlike anything else. And this is the scripture he read. God has made us into a community. 1 Peter 2 says this, Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And that's great. That's what we've been singing and celebrating this morning. But is that it? Why has God done this? What's it all about? Is it just for us to have a good time? Well, I think it is for us to have a good time. It's for us to know and enjoy community. But there's more to it than that. And the very verse before this gives us the answer. But you are God's chosen generation. His royal priesthood, his holy nation, his peculiar people. All the old titles of God's people now belong to you. That's us. All those titles now belong to us. And it is now for us to demonstrate the goodness of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is an external dimension to our community. If you look at other versions, they talk about to show forth, to declare the wonders of him. There's, an, there's, there's a sort of an outward-facing part of our community, which is to shout out the goodness of him who's called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. We're to be a community that's not just for ourselves, but a community that carries the very heart of God, the very heart of God. God's into building community, and God has a big heart. Don't we know it? He has a big heart. God has a big, expansive heart, heart, an arms-wide-open sort of heart, a gathering heart, a seeking and saving heart. And that's the heart that he wants his community to express. So today, we're going to look not just at us as a community, but community with a bit of a, a wider focus. And I'm going to look at this question, so what sort of community are we? What does that mean? And we're going to take just this simple verse from Galatians 6, verse 10, where the Galatians are encouraged. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I've got three types of community that God says we are. Firstly, we're a community of good news. We're expressing God's heart to do good to people. Secondly, we're a community for all. 
expressing God's heart for all people. And thirdly, we're an opportunistic community, making the most of every opportunity wherever we are. So first, let's look. We are a good news community. That scripture says, let us do good. We are a community, I was going to say, of do-gooders, but that's not very positive, is it? People don't like that phrase. So I'm going to say we're a community of good-doers. That's not so easy to say, but I think it sounds better. We're a community that's on a mission, a mission to bless and impact the communities in which we live. We're a community that not only preaches good news, and we do and we must, but we're a community that is good news. You often hear people say, don't you, you know, oh, I wouldn't have anything to do with those, uh, those guys, they're bad news. You don't often hear people say, you want to get alongside these people, they're good news. But that's the story for the church. We are a good news people. And we're going to be looking at communicating the good news later on. So I'm going to focus on how we are good news to the world around us. It's by what we do. Now, before you panic and think, here comes a gospel of good works, I don't believe in that. We know Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's true, isn't it? But what did he do? What was it he actually did? Well, when Peter's preaching to Cornelius, he comes up with this little description. He says to them, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God's heart to bless mankind all through the Old Testament is ultimately expressed in Jesus. How's that for a manifesto? How's that for a summary of what our Christian lives should be? How's that for an example that we are to follow? Sounds good, doesn't it? How about this then? So, um, you know Craig Rule, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know Andy Martin, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know Janet Crick, how God anointed her with power and the Holy Spirit and how he went, she went around doing good. This is about us. This is about us, folks. We are to follow Jesus' example. We are officially good doers. Now, if you're not quite convinced, because that was Jesus and this is us, try this verse. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, said, For we are God's handiwork. We're his creation. We were crafted by him, created in Christ Jesus. What for? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are created, fashioned, each one of us, for good works that God has planned for us. How about that? Already prepared. All we need to do is watch out for them and walk in them. Now, I need to just give you a warning. I was going to tell you a story now, and at the end of it, all the women are going to go, oh, and all the men are going to go, Arr. So, 
brace yourselves. We want godly reactions, but I think it's worth telling. You see, my youngest son uh, wanted to get engaged to his girlfriend, Natalie. Simon is my son, Natalie is his girlfriend. And so Simon made a plan. Brace yourselves, men. Simon pretended that he was going away for a day, and he arranged for Natalie to spend the day with her girlfriends. Only when she got up on the Saturday morning, her girlfriend said to her, well, you thought we were going out somewhere, but actually we're not. And over breakfast, they gave her a card. And the card was from Simon, and it said, Natalie, the girls will take you to the station. When you get to the station, go to the coffee shop. So they dropped her off at the station. Natalie goes to the coffee shop. She says, hi, I'm Natalie, a little bit hesitantly. The coffee shop guy gives her her favorite coffee and another card. Inside the card, it says, Natalie, I want you to get on the certain train and go up to London. And when you get off in London, I want you to go to the flower cellar. Natalie goes along with it. She gets off in London, hesitantly goes to the flower cellar. Hello, I'm, I'm Natalie. Ah, he says. Gives her a rose, gives her another card. The card says, I want you to get on the underground and get off at a certain stop. And when you get to the uh, station, go out of the station and across the road, you'll see a bench. Go and sit on the bench. She does that. She gets to the bench. <gasps> there are people sitting on it. So she goes over a bit, <laughs> a bit carefully and sort of hovers around. And they suddenly say, are you looking for this? This was stuck under the bench. And they give her another card. And the card has a key inside. And it's a little map. It says, if you go around the corner, you'll find a little private garden. And you can unlock the door and go in. And she follows it around. She unlocks the door. And she follows the little path. And there is Simon sitting on the bench inside the garden with a ring in his hand. See, I told you. <laughs> How inadequate as a father and a husband do I feel? <laughs> but I share that with you because it spoke to me. You know, God, Simon had gone ahead and he prepared it all for Natalie. All she had to do was listen, read, follow the instructions. And it all worked out. You know, there's a sense in which that's what God is saying. He has prepared good works for us to walk in. We just have to walk in them. Don't have to run. Don't have to hurry. We just have to walk in the things that God has gone ahead and prepared for us. What an amazing purpose. What an all-inclusive purpose. It's not just God has done it for people who stand at the front and talk. It's for all of us. God's prepared you for something special and he's made the way for you. It's just for you and you're perfectly designed to take advantage of it. I think that gives me challenges. Here are some questions that challenge me. Maybe they'll challenge you. Do I really believe that we, Hope Church, Winchester, are good news? Do I really? Or am I sometimes more focused on our shortcomings than what we actually have? Because, you know, we have much more than we think. We kind of get used to it. Do we value what we have, the care, the love, the friendship that we take for granted as a community? 
because we're not a club. We're not just sharing a, an interest or a passion. It's not the tennis club or the golf club. The Bible says we're members of one of another. We're parts of one another. We're joined. We have something amazing. I want to tell you, most of you know, we haven't been here very long. About eight months now, I think. And we love this church. We think there's something really, really good going on here. I want you to hear that. We think, I want you up there to hear that. We think there's something really, really good going on here. We think Hope Church Winchester is good news. I believe that. I mean that. It's not a perfect church. It's not a perfect community. I'm sure you know that. It doesn't need to be. Because we're all together following Jesus. We're seeking to help one another. We're, we're living our lives together. We want to live for him. And then we irritate each other and fall out and mess up and let each other down. And then we have to follow what Jesus said and learn to forgive and make up. And, and actually, do you know what that is? That's a grace-filled community. And it's not a perfect community. But the world's not looking for a perfect community. It's looking for a real one. Who wants to join a perfect community? I don't. I'm sure you don't. We are a community that's real. Do we feel that sometimes we have to present the church as some idealized thing, that we have to live up to some perfect thing and that people will be put off if they think we're not perfect? I don't believe they will. I think we've got to live open lives. We've got to live vulnerable lives, honest lives. Have you ever come across those people who, um, who say, I, I don't want to put a Christian sticker in my car? Because if, you know, I mean, I don't, of course. But if I was caught speeding or something, it, you know, wouldn't look good, would it? don't want a church sticker in the car. If I drive past someone and shout at them, not that I would, but, you know, some people might. <laughs> I don't want to live my life like that. I want to live my life real. I don't want to get to the end of my life and to say, well, you know, it didn't upset anybody, didn't make a mess of anything. I want to get to the end of my life and people know I lived. I lived. I made mistakes. I found the grace of God. That's attractive to people. We, we glory in the grace of God, don't we? If it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would be here. If it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would stay here. That's why we want to build a grace-filled community of Jesus' followers. Because it's attractive. Jesus said this, you're the salt of the earth. You know these verses. Jesus says you're the light of the world. He didn't say you will be when you get it all together. He didn't say when you've worked out all these issues and finally become perfect, you will. No, he said you, you are. That's who you are. Be who you are. The world will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's all about being who we are, not about the doing. And what we do comes out of who we are. Let's be a good news church. Let's believe that we are a good news community. Because goodness knows the world needs some good news. Secondly, I hope, we're a community for all. That little verse said this, to all men especially those in the church, but to all men. That's where we're to do good. We're to be an outward-facing, open-hearted community. Not just for ourselves. I've said this before, but let me say it again. We're to carry God's heart. 
an expansive arms open wide on the cross heart a gathering a seeking and saving heart you know these promises all of God's promises are wide open you ever thought about that it's whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved it's whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life whoever everybody whoever Peter preaching on Pentecost said the spirits for you and your children all who are far off all that the Lord our God is there's an allness about what God does his arms are wide open for people to come David Stroud from Christ Church in London who led New Frontiers for a period wrote an article that I've never forgotten reading and the question he posed at the beginning is this if your church was to disappear tomorrow would the community notice if your church was to disappear tomorrow would anyone around notice well I think we've heard this morning and I know we know from other things and we're going to be showcasing other ministries in weeks to come I think the answer is a glorious yes what's a hundred yards long has 460 arms and 460 legs some of them large and some of them small that's the cue for the ark they'd notice the soup service people would notice the cat people would notice people would notice that we're not here our community is meant to be a better place because we're here we're the, we're a colony of God's kingdom and we've come to make this world a better place and to bring people to our God you'll know this quote do we believe this the local church is the hope of the world the hope it's true nothing else is going to save this world nothing else not governments not armies not plans not schemes the local church is the hope of the world because we have the words of eternal life in Jesus where else do you gather people like we gather in the church where do we gather rich and poor high up and low down where do we gather insiders and outcasts where do we gather educated and uneducated where do we gather trendy people and fuddy-duddy people where do we gather people like that what other community on earth is there like the church there's none Jesus style is mirrored in the church Jesus was so inclusive Jesus did good regardless he loved regardless he honored regardless he embraced regardless he included lepers and women and cripples and children and beggars he included the excluded he included the hated tax collectors he included foreigners Jesus embraced the broken and mended them God's ever-expanding heart wants an ever-expanding family and you know the world desperately needs community listen to these things mother Teresa said this the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer or tuberculosis but rather the feeling of being unwanted uncared for and deserted by everybody how's that from a woman who lived in the midst of poverty and disease the lonely society was a 2010 report commissioned by the mental health foundation 
And it cited a link between our individualistic society and the increase in common mental health disorders in the last 50 years. And wow, do we see that. Loneliness is recognized as a public health issue. And our increasing connectedness through social media, etc., is not necessarily helping. In the Sun this year, in January, they previewed a BBC series called The Age of Loneliness. And they summarized it like this. Loneliness is worse for your health than diabetes or smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Experts say it's an epidemic. We live in a world that is longing for community and looking for it in all sorts of places. I was walking down Jewry Street a few months ago and I saw this. Reject isolation. Join our congregation at the pub. <laughs> and it really struck me. That's, that's a cry, uh, that's an offer, that's an invitation to a world that's longing for community. Amazing, isn't it? Now, I've got nothing against the pub. I love going there. It's a great place to meet people, great place to gossip the gospel. But I'm telling you, it's not the hope of the world. But people are looking, and they're looking in all sorts of places. And places like this pub, they're not shy to advertise. Come on in. Come into our community. Don't be isolated. How bold is that? So how bold should we be? How bold should we be? Let me tell you a story from the Old Testament. Right back in Numbers chapter 10, Moses and the children of Israel are setting out towards the promised land. And just before they go, Moses has a conversation with his brother-in-law, who is not part of God's chosen people. Not really. And he says this to him, Numbers 10, 29. We are setting out to a place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. They're setting out to the promised land. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. Come with us and we will do you good. Because God is doing us good. How about that for an invitation? How about that for confidence? It's amazing. But it's true, isn't it? We can say that. We have an answer for people that's not based in us. It's not a proud boast. But we can say, come with us and we will do you good. Why? Not because we're good. Because God has promised good to us. And we're experiencing his good. Come with us. We will do you good. Maybe you're, here, maybe you're visiting today, I don't know, for the first time or a few times you've been. Maybe you're here, as, as uh, Rob said, and you're, you're not a Christian this morning. I would say to you, whatever category you're in, I want to make a bold invitation to you. I want to say, we are on a journey to follow Jesus and to find all that God has got for us. And we want to say, come with us and we'll do you good. It'll be good for you. It'll be life for you. Come with us. Stick with us. We're not going anywhere physically. We're going on a spiritual journey. Our destination is heaven. But come with us. It's a great journey. It's life. Come with us and we'll do you good. Because God is doing us good. The church is the answer. On Friday, you know, we were uh, praying as a staff team 
And uh, Pam had a, a, a little picture uh, that in the context of what we're doing, about a, 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 va a beautiful vase that had been shattered into pieces and put back together, but there was a piece missing. And there was this piece ready to go in. And uh, Steve then kind of built on that. Obviously, it's a bit like a jigsaw where there are pieces missing. And I really feel that's, that's from God. So I want you to do something very un-British at the moment, and I want you to look around. It's okay, you can, it's not rude, you can turn around. Have a good look around. Look at all this lot up there, look. You can have a look down, oh, you probably can't see down here. Just look around. Look around. People you know, people you don't know. I believe God would say to us this. There are pieces missing in this jigsaw that you're looking at pieces that he wants to put in some of them might be here and not properly put in some of them are not, have never even heard of us but there are pieces missing in the jigsaw of Hope Church that God wants to paint the picture that is an ever-expanding one we need to be on the lookout for those pieces because <laughs> it, we're a community for all because that's God's heart thirdly, finally we are an opportunistic community. That sounds good, doesn't it? As you have opportunity, is what Peter says, do good to all men. We are a, a sort of wherever community. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. It's, it's funny when you become aware of something that you weren't aware of before and what happens next, isn't it? A couple of years back, we went to change our car. So our car was the family car. It was a great big VW Passat estate, three grown-up children and a dog. Children left, dogs stayed, but it was time. Well, there you go. <laughs> time to change the car. We were trading down. And I thought, well, we, I thought we could get a golf. I quite fancied a golf. But we're soft hearted, or at least I am. And, and we thought we might be a bit crammed for the dog in the back. So I wasn't sure. And we went around, we went to this garage, and we're looking around. And suddenly Fran says to me, What's that over there? Uh oh, I thought. So we go to have a look. And it turns out it's a VW Golf estate. Now, I didn't even know they existed. Never seen one, never heard of them. Of course, the end of the story is we end up buying one. But the bit I want to say is this. You see, after we got it, I'm driving around. And what I suddenly notice is I'm in a car park. And I think, oh, there's one. I'm driving along the motorway. Oh, there's one. Notice I was going past it. <laughs> because I became aware of it, I suddenly started noticing them all over the place. And I think it can be like that with us and God. That there are opportunities, folks, all around us, every day. And sometimes I'm just head down, getting on with my day, trying to make it through. But when my eyes are opened, I can suddenly see, oh, there's one. Oh, there's one. Oh, there's an opportunity. As we have opportunity, and we have opportunity in all sorts of ways, Jesus, it says, went about doing good. Doesn't that sound wonderfully haphazard? I know, I know he had clear purposes, certainly in the last days of his life. But it just sounds wonderful. What, what did Jesus do? Well, he went about doing good. He went about. He talked to people wherever he came across them. He talked to individuals, found this woman at a well. He talked to ones and twos that he came across. He talked to families. 
He talked to small groups. He talked to crowds. He, he, he talked to rich people. He talked to people who hated him. He still honoured them. And you know, there's a parallel with our lives, individually. A world where my friends, my neighbours, people I work with, they need saving. The people I work with need saving, I can tell you. In joke, sorry. Ask somebody who's been here a while if you don't understand that. In the church, we have opportunities within the church. We have opportunities within our wider church family of commission, with other churches in the city, with other places in the world where we have contact. And we also have the, the joys we heard this morning of reaching out to people that we'd never have any contact with normally through the soup kitchen, through CAP, through the ARC, through the Basics Bank, through the Craft Cafe. We have opportunities all around. But you know the thing that blesses me about that little phrase is it takes pressure off, if you know. It's not me manufacturing something. God has prepared in advance beforehand. And as the opportunity comes, I just need to be awake and grab it. We are a good news people. There is an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't that great? Come on, taste and see. God is good. There's a lot of good about. He's good. He's been good to me. He's been good to us. We have good things to share. We are good news. That's exactly what the early church was. They went around doing good. I was uh, reading a book recently by a sociologist about how the early church grew so quickly. And one of the factors was this. They did what nobody else did. They cared for the poor. They looked after the sick. They looked after the broken. When all the rich people read to the hills because there was plague about, they stayed because they cared and they weren't afraid to die. And God blessed them and the church grew. Even here in the UK, you know, a lot of people have forgotten in our culture, but much of our hospitals, our education, much of the laws that, that we benefit so much from came from Christian influence. People doing good, people changing the world around them. And who knows if God hasn't brought us to another time like that. I mean, I don't know what you make of David Cameron's big society. In one sense, it doesn't really matter. Could be a cynical ploy because he hasn't got any money. Could be a grand vision. Doesn't really matter. What matters to me is this. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to move in where, where we feel God is saying to us and to bless and to do good. But let me just say one final thing as I close. It must be love. Some of you are thinking of a song, I know. Depending on your age, be interested to know which band you're thinking of. It must be love. We are not talking about projects. We're not talking about doing stuff for the sake of doing it. We're talking about doing stuff because God loves people. And he cares for them. And doing stuff is a waste of time. We know that verse in 1 Corinthians where... Where Paul says, you know, if I don't have love, I can do all sorts of stuff. Even give myself up to be burned. It's just noise. It's just rubbish. It's love. God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The reason we do stuff like CAP and the Basics Bank and the Soup Service and the Ark and, and, and many other things that we're involved in is because God loves people. 
But it's not an equation like we do this and then this is what happens because that's not how God works. It's much more like we're sowing here and we're sowing there and God gives an increase and God gives a harvest. We are not the only people who do good. We need to be humble and admit that. The church doesn't have a monopoly on doing good. Lots of people who aren't Christians do good. Lots of people from other faiths do good. Lots of people from no faiths do good. What we do have is a monopoly on the gospel. And what we bring as we do good is the gospel alongside it. The God that loves you and that we are expressing his love to you wants to know you personally. Wants you to turn to him. We are, let me summarize, a good news community. Do you believe it? We are an outward-facing community for all. We are an opportunistic community. John Wesley changed the face of this nation with God's help. Here's one of the things he said. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. I think he's about covered it, don't you? (laughs) What a great motto to live by. I'm going to ask the band to come up, because I'd like to finish with a song. I I hope hope you've been encouraged this morning. That's been my goal. I hope you've been stirred this morning, folks. We really are good news. We really are. We really are changing the society in which we live. Little by little, the tide is rising. It really is. And the challenge is for us to grasp hold of these things. Just while the band's getting ready, I just ask you like to take a moment of, of quiet, really. I'm just going to, hopefully, uh, got some questions. Just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us now. Holy Spirit, will you just touch our hearts, Lord? There's so much we could do and uh, so much that, that maybe people would say we ought to do. And what we want to know, Lord, is it's what you want us to do. You know, it's easy to be overwhelmed sometimes, isn't it? I can't solve world hunger. I can't create world peace. But what I can do is I can do what I can with what God's given me, where God's put me. And that's my heart to do. So I'd ask you these questions, just allow God perhaps to highlight one or something to you. As you have opportunity, where's your opportunity right now? Where's your community? Where is it that you are going about in your life? How can we make room for our lives, in our lives, for those who are outside the community of God at this moment? How can we bless our community? What does love look like to those around us? Just in this moment of quiet... I'd encourage you to listen to God and then I'd encourage you just to do whatever you feel he's saying.
Father, I want to thank you for your church, the community you've made through making peace on the cross by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we who are not a community are a community. We are your people. And Lord, we, we want to carry your heart more and more, Lord. Your heart for those outside. Lord, we want to be bold in proclaiming not what we are, but who you are. Lord, we want to have hearts that are open to embrace. And we want to see all that you would have us put our hand to. Help us, Lord, I pray. Lord, we want to be that good news community. Lord, we don't want to be on the back foot. We want to be on the front foot. Lord, we want to be filled with the good news of the life that you've given us. Help us, we pray, Holy Spirit, as we go out from this place in a little while. Help us, empower us, encourage us, strengthen us. Help us, give us eyes to see the opportunities that are there. Give us hearts to meet the need that we see around us. In Jesus' name, amen.